The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello again, Giants fans, and welcome to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine. Today's show will feature an interview with Adam Stites of SBNation.com. Adam did a phenomenal piece that posted recently at our flagship website, SBNation.com, regarding the Eli Manning-Philip Rivers draft day trade 15 years ago that shaped the futures of both franchises. Adam was fortunate enough to find both participants who made that trade happen, former Giants general manager Ernie Accorsi, and former Chargers general manager A.J. Smith, and both were kind enough to give Adam some time and some insight. So we'll talk with Adam about what he learned regarding that deal. It's a fascinating thing that really hasn't happened in the NFL since that time. So uh, always interesting to, to learn more about that deal, and we'll talk to Adam in a few minutes. Before we get to that, though, I wanted to address a couple of things that uh, that happened on Thursday. Obviously, General Manager Dave Gettleman held his pre-draft press conference and was pressed on the quarterback situation. I wrote about this at Big Blue View. Uh, if you haven't seen that yet, please uh, drop by the website, give that a look. Uh, Dave was asked about quarterback in many different ways, continued as he has throughout the last couple of years to insist that he will not reach for a quarterback, that he will only select one if there's value there, continued to express his belief that for now, Eli Manning is still a capable NFL quarterback, said there's no urgency from his side to, to get this done, to get a quarterback he would very much like to, but as I said, he's not going to force it. So I came away, as I wrote at Big Blue View, I came away with the impression 
that that Dave is very, very high on the top-tier defensive players in this class, and that at number six, if the board falls the way he anticipates or hopes that it will, that he would prefer to take a defensive player at number six. He's often said that the Giants need more defensive players, that the biggest reason they didn't win more football games in 2018 was an inability to get critical defensive stops. I think that would much be his preference, would be to get one of the premier defensive players in this draft. If the board falls you know, in an unanticipated way or if the board falls with the quarterback that is the favorite quarterback for the Giants and they feel like he's the best value, maybe they would take him. But I think right now I would not anticipate that happening at number six. With the 17th pick, I think it's very possible that the Giants do use that on a quarterback, perhaps even by moving up in the draft. It's also entirely possible that they skip the quarterback situation entirely simply based on the fact that if there's a guy at 17 or a couple picks before that who they really love and want to move up for, if they think there's a player at a at another position that they simply feel like they need to have that can really help their football team, they might go that way. So it's unpredictable at this point. I think we've learned you know, over the past couple of uh, of drafts and 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 years with Gettleman, that he's unpredictable. I in in a lot of ways that he'll do things that are unconventional, or at least that the that the majority uh, would think when the majority thinks he should do something else. So we'll see what happens here. But my anticipation at this point, you know, as after listening to Dave yesterday, is that. If the Giants go quarterback in the first round, it's more likely with their second pick than with their first. The other thing I wanted to mention was that Saquon Barkley, the the rookie of the year, the Giants' fantastic young running back, was also available to media, you know, for a few minutes on Thursday. And Saquon, you know, for about the 800th time, was asked about being selected by the Giants number two and asked about the idea that some people still believe that the Giants, you know, should have taken Sam Darnold you know, or another quarterback at number two instead of taking the running back. Now, listen, I get this argument. I've made this argument. I understand this argument. Had it been me, with the you know with the card in hand with the decision to make a year ago I'm turning in a card with Sam Darnold's name on it that's that's what I would have done I think that that when you have that opportunity to take a quarterback that you think is a franchise caliber quarterback and you have and you're able to do that without moving around the board when the value is there and it's staring you right in the face and you have a need for that I think you do that you know, with that said, it's very, very difficult to argue with how good Saquon Barkley is. He's a wonderful, wonderful player. He could wind up in the Hall of Fame one day. It's very difficult to argue with the Giants when they say he was the best player in the draft and we couldn't pass him up. I get that. You know, I still think that with the with the importance of the quarterback position, 
you know, and with Eli, you know, getting up there and being closer to the end of his career than the beginning, obviously, you know, I would have gone quarterback, but I'm not going to sit here and and parse that decision and, and say it was right or it was wrong. They took Barkley. He's a wonderful player. What I want to say is this. He was asked about that once again yesterday and he basically said that you know he doesn't know what else he can do to sway people's opinions and and my thing is this can we stop asking Saquon about this he didn't make the choice he's the player he's a giant he had a wonderful year he had nothing to do with why they chose him you know it wasn't his choice to make whether you know whether he would be a giant or whether Sam Darnold would be a giant Let's just stop asking Saquon to justify the fact that he's a New York Giant. His job is to justify that on the field, and I think all he can do is prove that he is a wonderful player, which he has already done. I simply think that that you know the narrative is out there and that's fine. You know, people can debate it. I just think that that it's time to stop putting Saquon in the middle of it. Let the man play. Let the man lead the Giants. Let's see what kind of career he ultimately has. And let's just stop asking him to justify why the Giants took him instead of taking Sam Darnold. All right, I'll get off my soapbox now, and let's play the interview that I did with Adam Stites as we learned some things about the Eli manning Philip Rivers trade. Okay, Giants fans, I'm joined now by Adam Stites of SB Nation, who did a fantastic piece recently on the Eli manning Philip Rivers trade of 15 years ago now that, that basically set the course of the Giants franchise for the last decade and a half. Adam, thank you very much for, for spending some time with me today. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Hey, so this is a situation, and we've seen other... You know, we've seen other looks at this, and it's it's just fascinating to me, you know, that this story still draws people's interest, you know, this this many years later. Yeah, I mean, it's something we, we, we really haven't seen anything like it since. Um, you know, I mean, the, the closest comparison is probably John Elway back in the 80s, and there was another, a good 21 years before um, the, the Eli situation happened. So um, it's just such a weird... Um, Scenario that that I think it's it's pretty fascinating, and I, I I can only imagine what it, what what it would be like in the social media era. But yeah, it, it's it's fun to kind of look back at something so wild like that. Without uh, without giving away all of your all of your secrets and, and all of your your tricks, I'm curious how it came about that you were able to uh, that you were able to run down you know Ernie Acorsi, then GM of the Giants, and. Uh, AJ Smith, who was then, you know, GM of the Chargers, you know, the guys that the guys that made this happen. Yeah, I, I thought it was going to be a little bit more difficult, to be honest. But both of these guys were pretty willing to talk. I just had to find out what they're doing now. Um, Ernie Acorsi is uh, he's on the on the board for a uh, a major award. I'm not I'm not exactly sure what the award is for, but. Um, I tracked him down through that, and, and AJ Smith is on. Uh, he's a uh, special advisor to uh, the uh, Wesley or 
Kentucky Wesleyan College. Um, that's his, his alma mater. And so I just reached out to them, and, and both students were, were very willing to talk. I was, I was pretty surprised at how um, you know, open they were, you know, considering executives are usually pretty difficult to talk to. But uh, I guess now that they're both retired, they consider it kind of historical, um, you know, context. They, they, they didn't have any problem talking to me. So it was, it was surprisingly easy. Good. Good. So let me ask you this. I mean, I had the impression from reading your piece that, you know, while he while he said he was happy to make the trade or, you know, that it was a great accomplishment for him. I I have a feeling that, that A.J. Smith still seems to harbor some bitterness toward the Mannings and toward the whole situation, you know, that he was put in in that draft. I, I think that that's an accurate uh, gauge of the situation. Uh, he, he seemed like he, he definitely uh, didn't. He, uh, and, and since the trade has happened, um, Ernie, of course, he's offered a lot of context about it, um, done a, a few different recaps of it. Um, I think Archie's talked about it a lot. Um, Eli's been played pretty coy about it, but there's been a lot of context provided by everybody except AJ Smith. He's, he's, for the most part, stayed pretty quiet. So, um, I, I think, yeah, he, he he's kind of sat on a lot of things. So I was, yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a good gauge. He, he definitely seemed like he was missed by the uh, the fact that he was put in that situation. And um, yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, he's probably happy with how it turned out. But yeah, there is still a little bit of animosity on his side. I I, I felt like. Yeah, I think in the end, you know the the. Ernie Acorsi has said a number of times that that he would have just taken Ben Roethlisberger if he didn't think he could make this trade. You know, it's kind of an aside, but I think in the end, the the Giants, the Chargers, and the Steelers are, although the Chargers don't have a Super Bowl title, I think they're all happy with the players they ended up with. Yeah, and I think that's probably the biggest reason why all these guys were so willing to talk about this because at the end of the day it worked out well for, for everybody. Um, yeah, the Chargers, like you said, they, they didn't win a Super Bowl, but that first year after the trade, they, they go to the playoffs and they had a winning record for six straight years. So, uh, And, and even, even today, you know, Phillip Rivers is still a good quarterback for them. Um, you know, on top of getting Rivers, they got Sean Merriman, who they felt really good about. Um, you know, I mean, I think if they, if they had taken, you know, a Ryan Leaf with that kind of pick, there's probably a lot of bitterness about it today. Um, but, yeah, everybody everybody got kind of a, a good situation. Um, and, and it's kind of hard to imagine any of those guys in a, in a better spot. It seems like the, it, the, the personalities kind of fit the, the cities they went to anyway. So I, I feel like it worked out pretty well for all the teams, including Pittsburgh. So what did you learn really – what did you learn about this? I mean, it's been written about before. It's been talked about a lot. What did you learn, really, that you didn't know? You know, entering, you know, entering into talking to to AJ and Ernie. Um. Well, I, I, I would say it's mostly um, what AJ's accounts were. Um, it, you know, whether or not you believe them, but according to him, uh, the Giants were involved in, in making this. This happened. He said that they were, you know, involved in trying to orchestrate some, uh, a fall for Manning to them. Um, he, he also alleges that there was, um, you know, somebody within the, the Chargers organization who he uh, told him 
information to specifically because he didn't trust them. So I think, yeah, more than anything I learned about what was the, the, the kind of the subterfuge of it all, um, that, you know, I, I think my impression of it all along was, you know, Eli demands a trade. Why exactly was kind of up in the air, but then the, the Chargers kind of made it happen. Um, I didn't, I guess, realize the, the uh, the uh, down and dirty kind of parts of the, the football operations of it all. Yeah, it's interesting to me. I think you reference what what AJ Smith referred to as a a shadow figure inside the yeah. the Chargers organization. You know, and it, it's it's interesting to me whether whether the Giants needed that information or not. It's interesting to me that that he felt like there was someone inside his own organization he could tell. That would make sure the information would get out. Yeah, and, and like, like, yeah, exactly like you said. Did the Giants need that information? Um, AJ said that the trade happened, came together so quickly after he called that um, you know he he thought it was comical how, how fast the, the, the Giants were ready. But Ernie says we we had already made up our mind you know weeks in advance exactly what we were willing to give up. So it wasn't difficult to, to put it together because they'd already kind of frame that structure so I'm not sure um, you know but it does seem like he told a guy and then Ernie found out exactly what that guy said so um, yeah AJ's plan with the shadow seemed to come together um, I, I don't I don't think it's too difficult to kind of connect dots uh, and try and figure out who um, he was suggesting it might have been um, you know I, Ernie Ernie knew right away as soon as I told him about the shadow because I, I called him back and asked him what he thought about it, and he right away said, "You know, I, I think the AJ's probably think, thinks it was Marty Schottenheimer because um, Ernie and Marty had a had a pretty close relationship, and um, and Ernie was wanted to kind of clarify and said, you know, I didn't talk to Marty at all. We didn't talk at all for months leading up to the draft. So um, I think." If if I, if I were to bet, that would probably be my guess. But um, you know that's that's speculation. Neither of those guys were able to kind of confirm that. Yeah, and I don't think uh, I don't think anybody's going to come right out and tell you who it was. But it but it's interesting. You know, subster, subterfuge, back channels, none of that stuff ever happens in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's kind of an interesting. Uh, it's clearly not. It wasn't as, as simple as two teams and two and war rooms. Um, just kind of figuring it out. No, it's you know people get the idea, you know, and, and and you've you've seen trades in the NFL draft and and all of that. People get the idea that that you know a team's on the clock and and somebody picks up the phone and makes them an offer and they and they swing this deal in the five minutes that a team's on the clock. And, and I think what people need to realize is there's months of groundwork a lot of times that go into making these trades. They don't just happen, you know, in the two or three minutes that a team's on the clock. Yeah, and and exactly. And one of the things that I thought just going into this this whole um, venture was interesting is that um, Eli didn't get traded before the pick happened. That that's that's another interesting um, part about this is that he was. He was picked, and then Philip was picked, and then the, the players were swapped, and that's something we, we really don't ever see. So I was really interested in, in why the Chargers weren't able to get something to 
together, you know, earlier. Why, why, why wait until after the pick was made? And, um, you know, they, they really didn't have a whole lot of contact with the Giants. I thought that was another interesting facet of it was that um, they, AJ and Ernie both said they, they talked on the phone like twice in the, in the month and a half leading up to the draft. They, they barely had any contact. So, um, it, it, yeah, that was, that was surprising to me because, like you said, there's so much preparation that goes into it. Um, both teams kind of knew exactly what they were aiming for, and the, the deal was able to come together pretty quickly. But um, there, there wasn't, there really wasn't like months of negotiation leading up to this trade. Well, here's here's what I wonder, and it comes from AJ Smith's bitterness, and and just you know maybe your thought on this. I wonder if you know AJ Smith knew he was going to do this. And he just wanted to jump through those hoops with his bitterness toward the Mannings and all of that to, for whatever period of time he could, to, to make Eli uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of it was him putting his foot down. Um, he didn't want to uh, give, yeah, he didn't want Manning, to, Eli, to get his way. He didn't want to just um, give the pick to somebody else and then let Eli Get, the, get exactly what he asked for. So that he said he, he, he it just rubbed them the wrong way. He said he didn't feel good about the, the, the situation. So I think that's what he wanted to do was pick Eli right away and and have the chips in his favor right 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 away. Whether or not uh, he trades them or he forces Eli either your your charger or you enter the draft next year. He wanted to just make sure that he picked them anyway. Um, so I, I think I would probably play, play the factor. There, there was some ego to that pick for sure. Last question for you. Um, you know, obviously we know that uh, Ernie Corsi, you know, has been an advisor to other teams that have that have hired GMs, and we know his connection to the Giants and and, and Dave Gettleman and all that. So. So, so give us the scoop. Did Ernie tell you who the Giants are drafting at quarterback? <laughs> that was actually I, I, I was I was hoping to kind of get get some perspective, but he was very adamant. Um, you know, I, I only want to talk about a historical perspective, and he even mentioned Dave Davies Gilman. He said, um, you know, especially now that I've got a, a friend in the in the organization, I'm, I'm just not going to touch on it. So yeah, I, I'm I'm as curious as you are. I, I wish I had some. An inside scoop, but yeah, no, unfortunately, he, he was too clear. All right, Adam, we uh, I thank you very much for spending some time with me today. Uh, so uh, hopefully, you know, if uh, if you come across another another story like this, hopefully we'll be uh, we'll be talking again. Yeah, of course. Any, All right, anytime. Thank you. All right, Giants fans, that's our show for today. Thank you as always for listening. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. If you have questions either for the show or for the weekly Big Blue View mailbag, please send those to at BigBlueView at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot 
because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 